0: Hi, welcome to the Photo Bentor Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's episode, we have photographer Mark Fleming. Mark Fleming is a photographer based out of Portland, Maine, who is currently the senior photographer at Yankee Magazine, as well as freelancing for clients such as L.L. Bean, REI, and Time Magazine. In this conversation, we talk a little bit about how Mark started his photography career, as well as his experience working as a photo editor at Down East Magazine. It's an interesting interview, and I think you guys will learn a lot. Um, I hope you enjoy it, and thanks for listening. Hey, Mark Fleming, how you doing, man?
1: Hey, how's it going, man?
0: Good, good. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, no wait man. Thanks for me. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I guess just to start it off, maybe if you just want to give a short bio, kind of who you are, what you do, and uh, where you're from.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so, Mark Fleming, obviously, um, from Portland, Maine, and I am a editorial photographer, mostly. Um, currently
0: the senior photographer for Yankee Magazine. All right, cool. And then, uh, I guess, how did you get into photography, and like, what are kind of, like, Some of your earliest memories Like what kind of stuff Were you shooting
1: Yeah sure So I mean The earliest memories I have of photography uh, Would have to be When my family would go To Acadia National Park I think mostly Out of boredom If nothing else Um, When I was a Smaller kid In Acadia With not much to do I begged my father To borrow his camera And I'd run around And take snapshots All over the place And kind of kept doing that And you know Growing up in Maine It's a beautiful state so I was kind of always drawn to being outside and photography gave me something to do with that time that <laughs> at least some people thought was, I think, productive. Yeah. And it wasn't until high school, really, that I figured out that, hey, you know what, this could possibly be a career. Yeah. And, you know, being someone who has always been artistic and kind of leaning in that direction, I was pretty pumped. So Definitely. I ended up uh, going to RIT to study photojournalism and then kind of through a various and sundry way found myself into photography and different parts and the commercial aspect and then the editorial aspect and all
0: that so your your dad was a big photographer as well kind of growing up
1: well i mean he certainly was never professional um but he always had cameras and you know kind of he taught me the beginnings of f-stops and shutter speeds and all that good stuff
0: cool do you remember like what your first camera you're shooting was (laughs) The first camera
1: he ever let me borrow, at least, was uh, it was a Canon. I want to say, oh god, it was EOS, but I, I mean that was early yeah. on in the EOS lineup, <laughs> so I don't even remember the number. Yeah, yeah. But it was Canon to start with.
0: Yeah, and I'll since the... then,
1: I've shot Canon, Nikon, and now I shoot Sony. So
0: that's cool, all over the map. That's cool, but yeah, starting off with film, that's uh, that's good stuff. Were you shooting like color or black and white, starting off?
1: Started off with color, um, you know, a lot of one hour process kind of thing. And then obviously, as I went through my education in photography, I ended up in the dark room quite a bit.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, I, I got to tell you that I, I definitely loved coming up and learning in film. Yeah. Um, I think it certainly teaches you a different way of shooting. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> I find myself uh, going back to film actually more now than I thought I would be. So who the heck knows what's going to happen here oh, in a couple of wow. years. So you've been shooting film lately? Yeah, I've been doing. Honestly, I haven't shot any assignments on film recently, just because you know being editorial that my deadlines just haven't allowed yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. But that being said, personally, I have um, started to dive back in. Um, lucky enough that my um, mother-in-law's father actually was a photographer, and we were going through their barn recently and found a uh, old Leica M three. So I've been uh, throwing some rolls through that, and that's been a lot of fun and. Wow. Yeah, you know, I broke out my light meter, and it's uh, <laughs> it's been nice to slow down a little bit.
0: That's cool, man. That's really awesome. So I guess like you, like you said, you went to photo school for photojournalism, photo correct? Yes. Um. So, like, when you were going through the school process, like, did you have like a goal in mind? Like, what kind of photographer did you want to be? Like, at that time?
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, originally. Um, I was pretty hell-bent on being a newspaper photographer. Okay. Uh, when I was in high school, I had done one of my, I think, senior projects on war photographers in particular.
2: Yeah.
1: And that kind of led me down the path of some of the more prominent photojournalists through history. And there was something about being able to tell a story in a in very, like, instant um that newspaper allows mm-hmm. that kind of drove me down that path. Yeah. And I, I certainly thought that that's where I was gonna end up. But as we all know, that world kinda changed yeah. um about the time that I was starting to really get out into the world in, you know, two thousand eight range. Yeah. And I kind of found myself heading more towards magazines. Um my very, very first client who I ended up working for much later, uh, was Down East magazine in Maine, yeah. my home state here. So I kind of, I, I I always dreamed of being that newspaper stringer and running out with a, you know, police scanner and chasing the stories. And then I ended up in magazines, which, you know, as I look at it now, I think is much more in tune with the kind of storytelling that I like to do.
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. So like when you were in photo school, like after that, um, what did you do after school? Like, did you kind of, were you doing any photo assisting or what was that kind of your first step once you got done with photo school? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, a little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I did do some assisting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know I mean? I, I think much like most photographers, I kind of had no idea really where to go next. And yeah. so I, I started assisting, but of course I, you know, found myself living in an apartment, and had yep. expenses and whatever else. So yeah. I was working a day job. Yeah. Um, uh, my very first job actually out of school was at Hunt's photo in South Portland, Maine. So oh, I was wow. working at a photo store and nice. doing some assisting when and how I could. And, yeah, kind of kept going and then you know slowly but surely I felt like I learned enough that I was like okay I think I can maybe try to do this on my own so you know I would pick up like I said I was able to pick up Down East Magazine which was a great client allowed me to kind of learn on the fly and yeah. you know I was able to kind of gather clients while I still had a day job I mean that's mm-hmm. the that's the truth of the matter is this was very much a passion oh, yeah. and so I had to push it as hard as I could and you know, I had to pay the bills however I could and hope yeah. that someday somebody would be like, Hey,
0: you know what? We're gonna really pay you for this. That's cool, man. I've I've been there. Um, so I guess like what were you doing to like market yourself like to your first clients? Were you like just sending out mailers or like how are you kinda getting your work out there when you first started?
1: Well, I mean when I first started it was, you know, an embarrassing string of Emails and phone calls and begging photo editors to have coffee and look at whatever I was calling my photo portfolio at the time. um, You know, honestly, I think what helped me, and I can't thank so many photographers enough is making those connections through assisting. I mean, if I was going to give advice to anyone who's starting out, Mm -hmm. assisting is invaluable. I mean, it's, it's not just learning the actual, you know f-stop shutter speed strobe this don't strobe that it's it's learning how to deal with clients it's seeing clients
3: it's Mm -hmm.
1: having those connections so that let's say the photographer you're assisting can't do a job they may be able to pass that along to you i mean there's a lot that goes into it i think people overlook and you know it's it's for some reason becoming harder and harder to find assistance I feel and gosh man I'll tell you I couldn't have asked for a better education than assisting
0: yeah definitely I feel the same way like I I mean I learned a lot in school but I think once you get into assisting you definitely learn a lot more and kind of like you realize how every job is just like so much different and like it's how everything's just moving so quickly it makes you kind of you got to pick up quick you know
1: yeah exactly I mean there's something to be said for You know, when you're out there and and there is real money on the line and you're watching someone work with a real client, it's just going to be so much more detail oriented and you're going to see things that you may not even think about when you're in a classroom. I mean, Mm
3: -hmm. photo
1: school is great and I certainly won't discourage it, but the fact is that I learned everything that has made me successful in my career out in the field, dealing with people who were successful. I mean, that's the key, right? These people are doing it. And so, it's a really unique opportunity that you don't have in a lot of other professions. No. We still very much are on an apprenticeship style profession, and that's really cool.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, love, you know, I, I,
1: I, I think it's a great opportunity, and I, I really wish I saw more people, you know, out there really, really gunning to do it.
0: Yeah, and definitely. I know, like, starting out when I, when I was assisting, I assisted probably for like four or five years. And uh, I met I met a lot of clients that way, like that I ended up working with down like years later, just because I've met them from shoots yeah. and stuff. So you just meet a lot of people you wouldn't meet otherwise, you know.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I
0: agree. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, how did you? Because I know how I met you. You were working at Down East. You were d- doing the photo editing department for a while, correct? Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, that was kind of an interesting turn of events. And mm-hmm. what happened me was. Uh, like I had mentioned, Down East was my very, very first uh, client. And, you know, they, I mean, the photo editor at the time, Donna Hilton, really, I think, <laughs> took pity on me by giving me that very first assignment. I remember it. Um, I went and photographed a pumpkin festival in nice. Um And I was, you know, as nervous as a cat, but somehow <laughs> managed to at least get a few usable frames. Yeah. And so, long story short, I, I had been working with them for easily probably eight years um as a freelancer mm-hmm. and i you know over the time that i had been freelancing for them i had worked with various and sundry editors and dealt with some writers and, and kind of you know gotten to know a lot of the people on staff yeah and so what happened was in 2014 well really in 2013 and leading into 2014 there was kind of a changing of the guard down east mm-hmm. and kathleen flurry who had previously been an editor, took over as editor in chief. Mm-hmm. And when she did so, she reached out to a couple of freelancers, um, chiefly myself and Brian Kevin, who was a writer to come on board and join the team and kind of change things up a little bit. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I came on board as the photo editor, which <laughs> was, you know, at first a little bit, uh, I guess, a, a, an interesting choice. I, I, you know, stayed awake a couple of nights thinking about what that would really mean and yeah. what I would want to do in that position. And so long story short, obviously, I, I decided to to take it and jump in with
0: uh, with both feet. That's that's cool, man. Because, like, at that point, I mean, besides, like, freelancing as a photographer, you had, like, never actually worked, like, at a magazine, like, internally or anything like that, right?
1: <laughs> Correct. Kathleen <laughs> um, awesome. definitely took a chance on me <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, I knew certainly <laughs> – how the other side of the equation worked. I knew, you know, what it was like to get an assignment. I yeah. I mean, I had grown up with Down East. Mm-hmm. I, you know, again, grown up in Maine. And so I'd always been around the magazine. Yeah. I always, um, you know, looked at it, aspired to be in it, et cetera. Yeah. And so I think there was a part of me that felt like I really understood that particular title.
2: Yeah.
3: Had
1: I been offered a role in a different magazine, I don't know that I would have felt that kind of familiarity. Yeah. But that that gave me some of the confidence to say, yes, I can go into this. And I, I know, I think at least, what this is about. Yeah. And, I, and I can at least get my um, feet on the ground and start walking before I run rather than just coming in completely with no idea of what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, so,
0: like, what were, like, for some people that don't like what a photo editor does, like, what are you, like, in charge of? What was kind of, like, your day-to-day, like, at that job? I know you did a lot of shooting there, but what other kind of responsibilities were you, did you have when you were doing uh, Down East?
1: Yeah, I know. Definitely. I mean, I was, like you mentioned, I was in a unique spot because I was also a photographer. Mm-hmm. So I did do some shooting, but m- the majority of my time um really was spent collaborating with our other editors about the stories that were going to be in the magazine yep. and working together to create a visual piece that would accompany that written piece. And so, you know, we would sit and brainstorm all these different stories and what was going to go on what issue. And then my job really consisted of taking what I knew to be the story, thinking about my contacts in the photo world, making new contacts in the photo world, yeah. and finding the artist, whether it be a photographer, an illustrator, um, whomever, to kind of follow through on that vision. And so once you, as a photo editor, have that meeting with your you know, editorial group and you say, okay the story is going to be on, you know, whatever the story may be. You then take that information and say, okay, I know that there's three or four photographers I think would do a really good job. And then you have to really kind of evaluate what it is that you want to help tell that story and then really get that information to the photographer and aid them in telling that story. So you're the logistical side of
2: Mm -hmm.
1: getting that, you know, storyline told through a visual presence, so to speak. Yeah. And then I guess, like, how
0: did you like that experience? Like, um, what did you learn from it? And, like, do you feel like this made you a better photographer to, like, where you at now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was a very, very unique experience. I mean, first and foremost, it allowed me to meet, you know, like you said, I met you. I met so many other talented photographers yeah. just simply because of being in that world on the other side. I mean, you're constantly out there and meeting and, and trying to, you know, find out what these people are all about. Yeah. So that was so much fun, um, but also it really did give me an inside track on what it's like to be a photo editor. And you know, as a freelancer, we all deal with photo editors in some way, shape, or form. And mm-hmm. you hear these stories about you know, oh my gosh, they're so busy they they can't answer their emails, they don't pick up their phone. I don't know yeah. what the deal is. But the truth of the matter is, is that it really is crazy. I mean, you're under deadlines that you don't really understand until you're sitting in front of it. You have three issues upcoming and those deadlines are back to back. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out where this person is and where that story is, and all these kind of crazy details. So it gave me a unique perspective on what it really means to be on the other end of that email.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So as a freelancer, cause I do still luckily do some freelance work. Yeah, I do have a greater appreciation for approaching photo editors, how to not piss somebody off for lack of a better term. Um, and also what it means when someone delivers, and what it means when someone doesn't deliver. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I never thought about it from that perspective until I was in that role. Yeah. When you're a photo editor and you choose a photographer, yeah. you know, like, let's say I, I choose you, Alex, to come up and just shoot a story. Yeah. And you come up and you shoot it and the photos come back and you know what? They're just not, they're not what we expected. Yeah. That falls on the photo editor just as much as a oh, yeah, it does the photographer
0: in that last meeting. Everybody's looking and at you. And it's it's
1: kind of interesting.
0: Everybody's looking at you. you know, like, I never thought about it. Everyone's looking at you. What do you do, Mark? <laughs>
1: like, exactly. You know, it it was kind of interesting. And so what that leads you to do though is, you know, you really gain a relationship with your with your team of photographers
3: mm-hmm.
1: that that's much deeper, I guess, than I anticipated. You know, yeah. you have to trust the people you work with. And when you're in that kind of position, you're trusting freelancers. Yeah, That's who your colleagues are. And so you really, you know, when like example, obviously you and I had a great relationship yeah. because damn it, every time you got hired, you got, you know, the job done. And that, that's interesting to be a part of that process and to put your trust in somebody. And, you know, when I was there, I put my trust in people that knocked it out of the park and yeah. it, it was great. And I got to sit back and high five and I yeah. also put my trust in people that for whatever reason, just didn't get it you know, done. And yep. that's tough, but you, you know, you learn from it, you go on, but it taught me a lot about the business that I don't think I would have learned without being behind that desk.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I, I always liked, I still like that magazine, like, especially when you were there. I think you were this, you would try a lot of different photographers, which I think, like you say, it is a risk, but it, if it works out, like you get a, a lot of different photos that are unique that you normally wouldn't have. Like, I think you guys, you guys, you guys had guys from like New York shooting for there. I know me and Jesse did, and you guys would pull cool people from all over, which was like really cool.
1: Yeah, it was interesting to think about it from you know the perspective of you know, and, and this is tough, right? You, you want to make sure you give people who understand the location in this case, the regional magazine, so yep. the location. You want to give them as much work as you can, mm-hmm. but there is something about bringing somebody who's not from that area into it. Yep that allows them to get a different perspective. They're seeing everything fresh, yeah. you know, and I remember um, one of the biggest things I did was I was working with David Yellen out of New York
0: Yeah, that guy's and awesome. I
1: had just followed David for years and I'd known that his hobby <laughs> of all things was basically commercial fishing.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: most people go fishing and it's, you know, it's a rod and a reel and a canoe. And yeah. When David goes fishing, it's, it's real deal. I mean, he's out there, um, pollen and tuna and what have you. Yeah. And so I brought him up to do some stuff with some lobstermen and it was this interesting connection that he was able to make because he's in that world. Even though he was from New York, yep. I think he was able to break down some barriers that other photographers may not have been able to do because he knew what that world was like at a different level. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's interesting yeah. to kind of consider a portfolio of a photographer, not just their photographs, but also what they bring to it as a person.
0: Mm hmm yeah definitely, like he could talk to those lobstermen and actually know what what they do for a living and actually know what he's saying, and you know what I mean so that, that exactly goes, that goes a long way i mean yeah how how were photographers like reaching out to you? Was that like a daily thing where photographers were emailing and sending you promos was that, was there a lot of that you had to deal with?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I did certainly receive some sort of correspondence from photographers on a daily basis. Yeah, um, most of it, it, you know, this is the other thing that I thought was interesting is we all really, you know, agonize. At least I do over. Oh my gosh, what am I going to say? How do I say it? What what should it look like? Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing that I found was number one, and, and I've heard this from so many photo editors, but it's also oh true. Make sure that if you're reaching out to somebody, that your work is relevant to what they do. Yeah, um, you know, I, I would receive work from a fashion photographer in New York City who clearly shoots catalog work and probably hadn't left the city since they started their career, and wow. I would look at that and think to myself, "Okay, I'm clearly just another name on this list." Yeah, where you know, I mean, that that just didn't work. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I would receive promos from people in New England that even though it may not have been directly pushed towards down east in particular, at least the content made sense and I could see this person working for the magazine. Yeah, And that makes a huge difference because if you really push out work that doesn't make sense to somebody, it may be fantastic work, yep. but because of the amount that those people are getting, mm-hmm. they're not going to bookmark it. They're not going to go back to it because it's just, not, it's just noise. Yep. But if it's something that you can use It always, I mean, I hate to say it, but you kind of almost have to think about their side of things, you know, selfishly. I need to help them. (laughs) I'm (laughs) not helping them. They don't care. Yeah, yeah. And so that was kind of an interesting kind of um, revelation that, you know, it didn't feel good all the time. But sometimes it was like, oh, God, I mean, this is good work, but I can't use this.
0: Yeah, Exactly. I mean that, that that's pretty interesting. I mean, now you're on the opposite side um doing some freelance work and stuff, so it probably goes a long way now how how you approach magazines and stuff. I'm sure that kind of helps a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean it does. It, you know, it it also reminded me that these people are people. Um, you know, no matter how big the magazine, no matter how small the magazine or, you know, ad agency or what have you. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: they're all people. They all have you know senses of humor of varying degrees they all have you know want to have fun at work yeah i mean i think sometimes it's easy to fall into that oh gosh like everything has got to be so dead serious but i'll tell you you know i got some promos when i was at down east that were just downright funny (laughs) and it was great it was awesome you know it allowed me to just take a minute and look at a you know a silly photo or a silly note or whatever and just kind of have a laugh. And you know what, man? Sometimes that's just what you need in the middle of a really hectic day.
0: Yeah. Were you getting a lot of print uh, promos back then?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I was surprised, actually. Yeah. Um, I got a ton of email promos. Yeah. And I won't lie to you, I definitely put more time into looking at print promos yeah. um, than I did email promos. Yeah. Now, again, that's me. You know, that doesn't speak for everybody. Yeah. But... There was something about getting, you know, walking into work, and even just taking the five minutes to go down to your mailbox and pull out the stack of whatever mail you might have, and being able to flip through it and feel the paper. And yeah. you know, I mean, remember when you're when you're going after publications, yep. they live and die by print, and yep. like that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so being able to see work on a printed page, whatever that page may be, yeah. was really cool. You know, and I got—I'll um, never forget actually. One of the best promos I got was from Tony Long, who's a very talented shooter out of Boston. Yeah. And, you know, he sent this little poster. And, you know, I was able to unfold it. And, you know, I love the work. And oh, wow. it went right up on my tack board, and there it was. You know, and so if you can get something on someone's tack board, yeah, you know they're going to call you. But they may not call you for, like you said, I mean, they may not call you for two years. But oh, they, they're yeah. going to call you because if it's up there, they're going to remember you.
0: I got a job last month from someone that I met with five years ago so this goes yeah exactly and like i kept in contact with them a little bit but not even that much so this goes to show like any any opportunity you can get like you never know what's going to happen so it's just like yep it's really it's really like fishing i guess you know your target but really just kind of get your stuff out there
1: yeah i mean it is like fishing i mean you know there's there's a lot of, well, let me put it this way it's easily discouraged, or <laughs> we can all be easily discouraged rather yeah. when we're putting all that work out there and yeah. you, know, you may not be hearing back right away or, or even at all. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've gotten a couple jobs. Actually, now that you mentioned I got one last year, mm-hmm. the same thing. I mean, someone had gotten a promo for me that I had sent out before I had started working at Down East. So we're talking six or so years before. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they they put it someplace. And when the time came, and they're like, oh, wait, hang out, I got that guy. Yeah, like you know, on, they gave me a call, yeah, so it's, remember it's crazy
0: you. how it happens. Yeah, that's that's cool, man. So I guess, like, when you, how long were you at Down East for? I was at Down East for three years. I think a little over three years. Okay, and then now you're the senior photographer at Yankee Magazine. Um, how did that transition come about, and um, what are you kind of doing there now, which is different from Down
1: East? Yeah, yeah um so when I was at down East, one of the things I really wanted to push was um you know New England, like most regions, is smaller than we think, yeah, and I wanted to make sure that i I had a friendly connection with you know as many publications in New England as I could, and so I would reach out frequently to other art directors and photo editors and and mm-hmm. kind of strike up conversation and ask questions and what have you yeah, and so one of those people was Lori Pedrick. Who's the art director at Yankee? And, you know, I'd done some work for Yankee, but we kind of knew each other mostly from that, you know, me being a photo editor, her being an art director. Yeah. And I would ask questions and I would ask advice and, hey, what did you think of this photographer? Or, hey, great layout, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And we kind of just would, you know, spitball ideas and, and go back and forth. And I think at one point in time, we started talking about staff photographers and, and what that looks like. And, yeah you know, the pros and the cons and what have you. And I I kind of mentioned that, hey, you know, I really am excited about (laughs) shooting a little bit more. And and I feel like I would be interested in something like that. Um, You know, and I had talked to the folks at Down East, and I think we had kind of all decided that I was in a a position that was probably ready to move on to the next thing. And, And there was actually a couple people that probably would be a little bit better at kind of bringing the magazine full force around. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was kind of a very open process between everybody. And I said, hey, you know, what would this really look like? So over the course of maybe a couple of months, we worked on that, you know, is it a possibility? What is it going to look like? And, you know, remember, like, we're in a world where staff photographers used to be a thing yep. and really aren't anymore. Yep. And so I kind of, I, I started doing research and I reached out to a couple of different staffers who do exist, one of which, actually, is still a really good friend of mine. His name is Tom Story, and he is the staff photographer for Sunset Magazine. Okay. And so, Sunset is similar to Yankee, except on the West Coast. Yeah, it's a great magazine. It covers all the West Coast, but it's you know it's a regional publication, kind yeah. of a lifestyle mag, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, I talked to him about like what what does that look like? How you know what's your day to day? What is? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? And he really helped me kind of develop you know, what this would look like.
3: Yeah.
1: And so I was able to, like I said, over the course of a couple of months, talk with Yankee and come up with that position. And then when I transitioned out of down East, yep. we were lucky enough to get um, another super talented photographer who I know, you know, um, Ben Williamson yep. into down East. Yep. And Ben is, Ben is fantastic. And I think he is a perfect match for down East. Yep. I don't think I know anybody who loves Maine more than Ben. <laughs> yeah, so I think he's, he's fantastic. Uh, so that was good. So I felt much better knowing, okay, Honey's is in good hands.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, I'm super confident. And then that allowed me to go over to Yankee. And honestly, man, <laughs> I kind of have my dream job. Yeah. Um, you know, I I spend my time as a staffer, mostly traveling, um, shooting stories, everything from the small to the big. Yeah. Um, so full length features that take a couple of days to, you know, going and photographing a. I don't know, a, a pie at a diner or a, you know, an artifact at a museum or what yeah. have you. But the cool part is when you're on staff, you become a part of the actual story meetings and all those things that I really liked about being on staff at Down East yeah. because I was part of the concept. I was part of the, you know, what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? Yeah. And when you're a freelancer, sometimes you don't get that much involvement and sometimes you don't want it. Yeah, But being on staff allows me that really cool perspective of, Hey, I think we can do this and here's how I think we can do this. And then, you know, go do it. So, you know, I've had a blast. Um, I'm continuing to have a blast. It's, it's a great group to work for. It's allowed me to, you know, when I was on down East um, time, so to speak, I was only in Maine and being with Yankee has expanded my reach to all of new England. So Mm -hmm. I've gotten to experience a lot more. Um, gotten to see some really cool things and meet some really cool people and, you know, kind of explore what the staff
0: photographer looks like, you know, in 2017. Yeah. That's interesting, man. I don't think as
1: Yankee even ever
0: had a staff photographer before.
1: They did, but I want to say it was 20 to 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, quite, quite some time ago. Um, but it's interesting, you know, I've, I've kind of kept tabs on, (laughs) I mean, for no other reason, just to know for myself yeah. who is a staff photographer in today's day and age. And yeah. you know, obviously, my son Tom and son has been there for 17 years, and he's you know kicking butt over there. And yeah. I've noticed that a few magazines have really actually moved in that direction. Yeah. Um, if you look at it, you have Outdoor, who now has an in-house shooter. Okay. Um, you have Wired, who hired a couple of in-house shooters. Yeah. Blana bon recently just uh, brought on a staff photographer.
2: Yeah.
3: So it's
1: interesting to see this transition Mm -hmm. and, you know, to kind of think about it. You know, the the truth is freelancers are never going to go away. Freelancers are a very, very important part of it. And the ability to bring in multiple viewpoints, like you said, is is so key. But having a staff photographer sometimes allows for those freelancers to do more, I think, because you're not paying as much the little stuff, yep. and so you're able to bring in someone and really let them dig their teeth in, you know? Yeah, that's cool. So you get
0: getting to, like, pitch some story ideas now, kind of ideas that you wanted to shoot, and things like that.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm always kind of, those ideas are always welcome, which I really appreciate, um, and I'm starting to kind of conceptualize and come up with what I think would be a good story, and, and how to tell that story. Yep. You know, and it's funny, <laughs> I can find myself... Uh, I guess, you know, it's, it's hard to shake old habits, but recently when I find myself bringing up other photographers still, but I think it'd be great additions and great people to shoot different stories. I mean,
2: yeah,
1: you know, the fact of the matter is that sometimes I'll pitch a story and I know I'm not the right photographer for it, Yeah, but I know it's a great story. And I know that, you know, this person would, would do a great job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, it's really cool to be a part of that process. And I, you know, I definitely always want to make sure that we have, new photographers and you know photographers who've worked for yankee for years who are obviously still contributing and making the magazine like really visually appealing
0: yeah it's never going to
1: be just me and thank god for
0: that yeah it makes sense you want like obviously any photographer wants to shoot everything but at the end of the day it's probably better better interest to at the have the end result the magazine as a whole just be really strong
1: so yeah and it's you know i certainly have fallen on my face a couple times (laughs) um and i've learned what i I feel like i'm better at than um other things and i you know certainly respect photographers who are good at the things i'm not good at so much more um you know so it's it's a really cool experience like i said man i mean it's it's really my dream job like oh yeah you know when you mentioned like bringing myself out of college and thinking i was going to be a newspaper photographer and then finding out that you know maybe i wasn't cut out for that lifestyle or Maybe the jobs weren't as much what I thought they would be, or whatever the case may be. But I find myself basically, you know, following stories that I do believe in, mm-hmm. or I'm curious about. And you know, I'm with a magazine and a corporation that I really believe in, and yeah. you know, it's 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 nice. It's a really great fit for me, especially right now.
0: Yeah, Yankee magazines. I mean, I've I've been, I've shot for Yankee magazine for a little while now, and it's one magazine that has been around for so long. And has like so much history, but it's never felt like like a stagnant magazine. I mean partially, I think that's a lot to contribute to, contributed to like Lori and Heather over there because they're always yeah. just pushing new ideas, and I, that's why I've always just been a fan of it like they don't ever just kind of sit back and keep doing the same thing over and over again. It seems to me
1: yeah, no it's i mean i I owe so much to the team I work with, both the editorial and the art teams, yeah because you're right I mean you know, I remember sitting down in the very first meeting, being on staff and, and looking around the room and, you know, everyone went around and introduced themselves and told me about their, you know, previous work experience. And, yep. you know, I, I was kind of blown away. I mean, there's a hell of a team there. Yep. And they come from all over. And, they you know, and they're different age groups and they're different skill sets mm-hmm. and they're different backgrounds. Yep. And, you know, it's it's a pretty dynamic team. And it does. It keeps things fresh. I mean it's very easy for an 80 something year old magazine to lean back and just say, Hey, we know how to do this. Yeah. But you know, I think, uh, you know, we're pushing, I think sometimes we, you know, we run into snags here and yeah, there, yeah. but I think we're really pushing to make sure we stay fresh. And, you know, I know I am definitely trying to respect the history, but also embrace the future and, and
0: see what that looks like. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, so I guess getting into more shooting stuff, for you, like when you go into like an editorial shoot, um, what do you need for it to be successful? Like, what are you looking for? Like, what are you doing for preparation? Like, for you to have like a successful shoot, what do you need?
1: Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, I think it's different a little bit depending on each shoot, but you know, overall, there's some things that I, I always make sure I do or, or, or want to do at least. Um, you know, number one, I, I always try to get as much information as I can up front. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: sometimes I'm lucky enough to have a full fledged story in a manuscript that I yeah. can get my, you know, hands on and read. But if nothing else, I do talk to whoever I can, if it's the writer has been able to interview them or, you know, whatever information. I want to know as much about the subject as I can, whether it's a person yeah. and we're shooting a portrait or, you know what, if it's a train and <laughs> we're going to do a story on that. I want to know. As much as I can, because that's going to allow me to, on my drive there, you know, the night before, think about what the options are. Yeah. I always try to visualize before I go on set, um, mm-hmm. what is it that I'm going to be running into? And, and you know what? I'm right maybe 2% of the time, but it allows me to at least start thinking about possibilities. Yeah. How can I do this differently? What's been done before?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what's important here? You know, and again, being on staff allows me a very unique possibility to talk to the writers and especially the editors yeah so you know i've done a couple of portraits where i've been able to reach out to the writer directly and say hey you know yes sir tell me about your story but more so tell me about a couple of things that you noticed really brought out an emotion in this person yeah. what are some questions that i can ask what are some topics that i can breach that are going to bring out some emotion whether that emotion is positive or sometimes negative i mean it depends on the story yeah yeah, you, know, you want to be able to kind of get as much information as you can to really pull that out. Yeah. Um, logistically speaking, time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I mean it sounds ridiculous, yeah. but I have found that if I'm able to dedicate more time that the photos are always better. And you know, it's not always the case and you don't always have that luxury. Yeah. But being on staff has allowed me to slow myself down mm-hmm. and Say okay, you know, I mean, I remember there was a portrait I took of Liz Putnam, who's an amazing woman, um, started the uh, Student Conservation Corps with the National Park Service. Mm-hmm. And I went and met her in Vermont at her home. And I got there around 10 o'clock in the morning. And she invited me in, and I had talked to the writer the night before. So we started talking, and I didn't pick up a camera until 1 p.m. Wow.
2: <laughs>
1: so, you know, it was it was one of those things where I wasn't thinking about the clock i wasn't thinking about the next assignment i wasn't thinking about the time i gotta get home i knew i had the time yeah and what that allowed me to do was really capture a portrait sort of her that I'm, I'm super proud of because i got to know her she got comfortable with me without the big back black box in front of my face
2: yeah. and
1: we were yeah. able to really make that connection so you know time is huge <laughs> and then kind of drawing back to what we were talking about before the last thing the third thing I'll do, I'll borrow and steal to get an assistant. Yeah, yeah. Um, It helps. You know, man, I can't tell you how much that helps. And if you have a quality assistant, man, it makes, oh God, you know, it's, it's, yes, it's bringing gear in. Yes, it's breaking gear down. Yes, it's all of those things that we don't want to do. But you know what? I mean, when you have a really good assistant, it allows you that time that we were just talking about, even if you don't have it. Yeah. Because you can spend that time dedicated on your subject yep. while your assistant is taking care of everything else. And if you can trust them, yep. you know that when you're ready to go, they're there, they've set it up, they know what's happening. And if something goes wrong, it's simple to be like, hey, let's just fix this. Let's figure it out. Yeah. And so I will, like I said, I will beg, borrow, steal, <laughs> pay out of my own pocket, yeah. do whatever I have to do. But an assistant makes or breaks a
0: lot of shoots. I hear you, man. I, I, even for me, I think, like, a lot of times if you can bring an assistant, it really just it can bring another dynamic, like having another person for, like, say if you're shooting a yep. portrait, like, if you have an assistant that's, like, good with people too, I think it just makes the person even more at ease instead of this being, like, you and one person. So I think even just for that fact, it can really just change the d- dynamic of the shoot.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think, actually, I think you and I might have talked about this at one point in the past, but, yep. you know, I, I had a really great talk with a buddy of mine, Tristan Spinski, yep. um, super talented oh, shooter, well. and he was, um, he was talking to me about the fact that when he was assisting, one of the photographers he was assisting would have him talk to the subject, yep. and that way, obviously, it frees the photographer up to really capture, but the key about this is Tristan would get instructions and some of those instructions were to mention things that he, the photographer knew would agitate the subject Yeah, and that's going to create an emotion and we're going to capture that emotion, but you really need to have somebody who's comfortable with themselves yep. and in front of people definitely. to be able to do that and not just let it get out of control.
0: Yeah, it's hard to find. You know, we're it.
1: never going to insult somebody, but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: sometimes you have to push that.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. I, I hear you. Um, I guess another thing I wanted to talk to you about is like, I mean, how long did it take you to kind of like build your photo aesthetic to the point where like, you kind of know like what your style is. Is that something that like um, took you a while? Is it something you're continually working on? Like how long did you get to that?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic question. I can't wait to listen to what everybody else's answers <laughs> are. But I mean, here's what I would say is I remember a long, long time ago, I read a book called Vision Mongers by David Duchemin, I believe. And super good book. Mm -hmm. And it talked all about vision and what that means to a creative. And I remember him basically saying that (laughs) the more you worry about it, the less you will find out. And I spent, oh, God, man, years looking and pouring over the work of other photographers who I admired mm-hmm. and saying, okay, I want to shoot like that. And I would work and, you know, try to copy that aesthetic. And I, I wouldn't do it, you know, for a professional shoot or anything like that, but I would work really hard to try and capture something that mimicked that aesthetic and yeah. see how it felt and what have you. And then, you know, the more I did that, I certainly learned a lot. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. But the more I did that, I started to realize that I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, okay, so I kind of had to reset myself. And I would say that this happened maybe four or five years ago. I really sat down with myself and was like, all right, we just need to stop everything
2: yeah.
3: and
1: just get back to shooting and just shoot it the way you see it yeah. and stop worrying about the way that so-and-so would do it. Or if it appeared in such and such publication, it would yeah. look like this, just shoot it, just, just be open. Um, and so that's what I really work on now is for lack of a better term, not thinking about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I I just got back from a shoot that I did for Yankee on a freight train going through Vermont. Cool. And I remember thinking about, okay, what are the stylistic the choices I want to make here? What am I trying to say? And What is this going to happen? And, and I was like spinning myself up and I said, you know what, let's let's bring all the gear that you have, get there, meet these people, see the environment, and then let's make some decisions. Yeah. And, you know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from a teacher who said that when you approach a subject, the best thing you can do is go in empty.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: it never really made sense. But then when I started thinking about it in this instance, it really does make sense to approach each subject individually and to let your eye guide what you do. Yeah. Because that's, what's going to be your real vision, your real aesthetic. Yeah. If we think about it too much, I think we all of a sudden start shifting ourselves because yeah. we all have wants and Yep. meanings and what our own preferences are. Mm-hmm. But I found that when I really just show up and say, okay, what am I looking at here? That's when I choose the lens. That's when I choose how I want to shoot. If I'm going to use flash, if I'm going to use yeah. natural light, if I'm going to use black and white, if I'm going to use color, whatever the decisions made, I find that those decisions made out of necessity in the moment are the ones that always end up being the best. Yeah, I've gone on shoots <laughs> as much as it's painful to admit, and I've said, you know what, I'm gonna bring a flash and I'm gonna light the heck out of this sucker. <laughs> and I've done that. Yeah. Even though when I got there I felt it wasn't right. Yeah. And it never looks good.
0: Yeah, you kinda push go, it, it just doesn't look good. You has gotta go off instinct and just kinda don't box yourself in. Right. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um I guess another thing I wanted to ask you is like, um how do you feel like living in Maine versus like so many photographers like feel like they need to live in New York City. Do you feel like living in Maine has been like an advantage or a disadvantage, or like have have you thought about that?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, honestly, if you it depends on which week you ask, I think you'll get a different answer. Yeah. Um, but I mean, here's what I would say is, you know, I've heard it both ways, right? I've heard people say that they have PO boxes in New York City, no matter where they live. And, you know, they need to they need to bring that across. And I've also heard people say, you know what, shoot the work you want, and they'll find you. Yeah. And. I think I land somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. because here's what I've found is that it really depends on who your client base is. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a fashion photographer, I'm sure there are some very talented fashion photographers who live in Maine. Yeah, I know a couple of them, Yeah, but man, this is, that's going to be a tough, tough Real road. Tough. I mean, I think you need to evaluate what it is you're trying to do yeah. and what makes sense mm-hmm. because Living in Maine has led to some interesting opportunities that I would not have had if I had lived in Connecticut or Massachusetts or New York or L.A., but I've also certainly developed a different set of clients Mm -hmm. than I would have if I lived in those places as well. Um, I think the big cities, the huge client bases – also lead to a level of competition that doesn't exist in some of the smaller markets yeah and for some people man that's that's the way it is i mean that's going to push them to excel at a level that they may not have otherwise
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but i think for somebody like myself that's just not how i want to live my life yeah
2: definitely um and
1: so you know i mean gosh man i tried boston and i tried new york for a hot minute and that's just not who i am yeah um and that was a tough decision to make. I mean, you know, when you go through photo school, they talk to you about this, and you do it and You hear about these people; it's it's really appealing, and yeah. it sounds like that's where you need to be. But for me, it was more a lifestyle choice,
0: no, and I wouldn't
1: trade it for the world, man. I love being able to to experience Maine and. I think that when you do that, when you live the life that's best for you mm-hmm. is when you're going to make the best work.
0: Yeah. and I think it comes through in your photography because just looking at your photography, you can tell that you love like the outdoors and camping and being outside. And I think like, yeah, if you are in New York, like who, it just this wouldn't be the same, like I think it's this. I think your works is probably like 10 times better, like that you live there because you actually enjoy, you really do, you live the lifestyle. So I think that really is, it pays off in the end, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think that, you know, I mean, you know this, goodness, man. You work for clients out of New York. You work for clients all over.
3: Yeah.
1: I think that if you push for the clients you want, mm-hmm. then what people say is true. You can you can get clients no matter where you are.
0: No, you definitely. The key is yeah.
1: living the life that you want to live yeah. for exactly what you said. Because exactly. your work is going to reflect
0: it. Yeah, it just takes a little more effort. Um, I was talking to Jesse Burke about the same thing. And he's like, yeah, like, I still work with people from New York City. It's just, you know, it's a little more effort. He has to make an effort to go down there every once in a while. But you definitely can still work for those people, for sure. It's just a little more effort
1: and, than not living there, you know. Well, and you know what else is funny, man, is, like, the more I've thought about it, the more I've seen, it, it's all cyclical. Yeah. Because if you look at, like, the early 90s, you had to be in New York. I mm-hmm. feel like that's where it was. That was the epicenter. Yeah. And all of a sudden something shifted. And now you see people, I mean, like look at Corey Rich and like some of those real big adventure photographers all coming out of Montana. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got people in Wyoming, you got people in Texas, you yeah. got, you know, and it's become almost, I think, depending on who you're working for, more of a, desirable thing to bring in somebody who's who's maybe familiar with that environment or who maybe is totally away from that environment but i think the days of the big city photographers in certain realms obviously still exist i mean fashion is going to be fashion but you know with a lot of editorial work it's it's a different ball game i think than it was 10 15
0: years ago definitely i think at the end of the day this comes down to the work like um yeah that's it like if you're shooting cool stuff and make cool stories and good portraits like I, I always, like, the thing I've always tried to challenge myself is, like, you can literally, you could shoot a whole portfolio within a two-block radius of your house. Like, there is just so much interesting oh, yeah. stuff out there. Like, you don't need to go to, like, Alaska. I mean, it be nice. But there's just so much stuff out there, and it's just, like, just getting out there and finding those stories, you know?
1: Yep. No, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, man, you're 100% right. It's inspirational yeah where live where you're inspired because if you're not living where you're inspired you're not gonna be happy and if you're not happy yeah then what the heck are you doing yeah, <laughs> exactly. this whole thing is about pushing your passion mm-hmm. we i mean you know man this yep. is a hard job oh yeah you wouldn't do this if you weren't loving every minute of it and if you are pushing yourself into a realm that you're not living you know a good life yeah then oh man oh it's gonna be tough
0: i hear you man i
1: guess another question i want to ask you
0: coming off that is this like how do you deal with like creative ruts or this kind of the ups and downs of like running a photo business, you know?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, they are very real. Let me just start by saying that (laughs) Um, I've found myself, you know, living the, you know, highest highs and having some pretty low lows. I mean, like I said, you know, when I was working a day job or in some cases two day jobs and trying to stay inspired and, you know, staying up till two in the morning, working on, photo projects or whatever the case may be it was it was sometimes less than the amount of fun i thought it would be Mm -hmm. um you know but i think what's been important for me is when i feel that and when i feel those creative ruts i try to really push personal work um personal work is what's going to keep you going no matter what and as soon as you start to feel it slipping you know it's funny is actually that series of uh lobster boats from the top that aerial lobster boat series that i just did that actually came out of a creative rut. Okay. Um, you know, it was wintertime. As <laughs> you well know, winter in the Northeast can really suck it out of you. Yeah. And I was really just feeling kind of like the grind, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. And I, and I wanted to do something. And I, I had gotten this drone and I thought about it and how do I use it different ways. And yeah. You know I found myself kind of exploring that, and I found this concept that that really just intrigued the hell out of me oh, they
0: look and awesome. it was
1: something that allowed me to really sink my teeth into during those you know rough months and during this creative rut and that really pulls you through it yeah um it's gonna happen. I don't think there's anything you could do to avoid it, yeah um you know, way back in the day, I remember seeing the video that Zach Arias created yeah. about creative ruts, and you know I think he he did it best, which is like you know it's going to happen and you just got to power through it and yep. the way to power through it is to do the work
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know you fall back on it and you know what i thought about this too when you're in that situation go take photos and who cares if nobody ever sees them yeah just just pull the trigger and you know make sure you're pushing film through the camera or whatever the case may be and that's what's going to just push you through it definitely you know and that's the other thing pick up a film camera if you haven't shot film in a while pick yeah. up a film camera it's... pick up black and white if you're stuck on color pick yeah, up it's... color if you're stuck on black. you know just change something yeah and have fun with
0: it exactly at the end of the day it's we're trying to have fun with photography we're, we're trying to run a business but at the same time we got into this for fun you
1: know oh absolutely absolutely
0: um i guess so is there any creative um any personal projects you're working on right now is the um the drone stuff is that something you're still working on <laughs>
1: yeah i mean that's why i laugh is i'm still trying to finish up the loose ends with that project yeah. um you know it's it's the classic example of it's so much fun to shoot but then i'm I'm really trying to put that into some sort of a, a gallery show and so i'm trying to put some energy now that things are slowing down I and mean, luckily you know knock on wood it was a, it was a super busy summer and it was yeah. super awesome and mm-hmm. so i'm now kind of as we come into winter here i'm trying to See what I can do and and, you know, curate some of that work and see who might be interested in showing it and you know, and that's the other thing is right, when I did that project and I still feel this way, and this is the beautiful part about personal work, I I don't wanna make any money from that project necessarily. You know. I I just wanna show it. I I did it because I loved it. I love getting feedback on it, positive, negative, whatever. Yeah. And I, I wanna show it and I wanna experience that and you know, that's the other piece of this I think sometimes we forget. I mean, getting together with you and mm-hmm. some of our other photo friends and just kind of talking, like, yeah. it's just so much fun to to get back into that creative experience and to kind of fill that. I mean, it can be really lonesome if you're yeah. out pushing and you're on the grind for months at a time and you forget, like, hey,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> there's other people out there who know
0: what's going on. I hear you, man. Well, that's the I other mean, thing,
1: too, is reach out.
0: Yeah, that's, re- that's a big reason I started this podcast is just because, um like you said like this like people just don't really talk to each other in person as much anymore it just feels like everything's like instagram which is great but i think it this is going to be a good way for people to like really understand other photographers work and this kind of get a sense of who they are better you know
1: yeah no i think i think it's great man i think it's great to you know i'm going to listen to all of them and, <laughs> know, I, I know you just dropped jesse burks this morning yep. so I'm, I'm excited to listen to what he has to say yeah. and, you know i mean it reminds you sometimes that oh, hey, I hadn't thought about that. Or, hey, I thought that exact same thing, and it's great to hear what you think about it. You know, it's like, it's that community that's really cool.
0: Exactly. Um, I guess starting to wrap up, but um, as far as, like, marketing and stuff, like, what are some stuff that, like, you kind of do? I know you're big on Instagram. Um, Is that, like, something you put a lot of thought into when you're doing it? Or is there other kind of things you want to start doing for your, like, marketing for photography?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, marketing is something I've definitely um, thought a lot about over the past couple of years, especially since you know, like I said, leaving the photo editor position.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, I do put a lot of time in Instagram. Um, I've had some success with Instagram. I, I have gotten some some very good clients yeah. from Instagram, which I honestly I never thought would be the case. Yeah. Um, Instagram for me started maybe a couple of years ago, as exactly what we just talked about. It was a a way to get me out of a creative rut. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Um, I started shooting and putting it on Instagram and saying, you know what, I'm going to shoot what I want to shoot and I don't really care what the commercial realm feels about it. And ironically, two years later, whatever, it led to some commercial jobs. But, you know, I think we can't ignore social media in today's world. It's a huge part of what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, As photographers, obviously, Instagram is a huge component um, and so I think it's smart to utilize that, but on yeah. the flip side, I've also seen it and it almost felt that way to my, you know, in my own world, don't push it so hard that it's not fun anymore. Yeah. I think anytime I, things have stopped being fun for me, now we're all going to do work and you can't, you know, life is not, yeah. um, sunshine rainbows all the time, but all of these things you need to kind of keep control of. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was important for me with Instagram. Now for other marketing stuff, um, I kind of am trying to listen to all those things I thought back when I was a photo editor. One of those things is I'm trying to connect with some local designers to work on some print pieces um, that I'm going to send out for my own commercial side of work. So Yankee, of course is a huge part of what I do, but I also do have a commercial side of my business that is still up and running. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to put that time into, so there, you know, Definitely going to push social media, definitely working on some print. Um, I got to really kind of put together a print portfolio, which I haven't updated in a few years. You know, it's those little (laughs) kind of bits and pieces that all kind of come together. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of that stuff. Getting down to some portfolio reviews is going to be big. Um, You know, I want to get more eyes on my work and I'm hoping that, you know, the next year or so, I can really start pushing that, um, a little bit harder.
0: Nice, man. That's cool. Yeah. I guess my last question, just to wrap up, is this like, um, what are kind of like, do you have any more like photography goals, stuff you're kind of looking to pursue either for 2018 or even beyond?
1: Personally, you know, I do want to wrap up this, uh, what I'm calling Gold Eye view, which is my lobster boat series. I'd like to get that in, you know, some sort of a show and, and have people look at it and, and tell me what they think. You know, we never want to kick back and enjoy and I don't think we should, but I think we all wanna make sure that we're pushing hard but still enjoying the day to day and getting out there and you know, just pushing the button because we wanna and and hanging out with friends. And so you know, I'm really gonna push hard on my creative endeavors to kind of like you said, you know, be a part of my lifestyle and not have my lifestyle be just my work. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's my biggest goal is to to keep having fun and to see where it takes me,
0: man. And Yep. Just enjoy the ride. That's awesome, man. Well, um, thanks so much, Mark, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And um, I guess for people that they want to see your work,
1: where's the best way w- way to see it? Yeah, no, definitely. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Uh, best place to see my work is, of course, well, probably the most updated is Instagram, as we just talked about. So I'm at Photo on Instagram, and then uh, markflemingphoto.com is my website. And so yeah, touch base, and obviously, if anybody wants to reach out.
0: Email is always open, so uh, give a shout. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mark. I appreciate it, and then I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Thanks, man. Take have a good care. One. So there you have it. That was the Mark Fleming interview. I want to thank Mark for coming on the show. Um, if you guys want to check out Mark's website, you can check that out at markflemingphoto.com. And I just want to let you guys know that we're going to be releasing new podcasts every Monday. Um, I have that linked on my website at photo.com as well as I'll be updating my Instagram, at Alex Um So definitely keep an eye out for that. And uh, thanks so much for listening, and uh, look forward to doing some more of these. Take care.